0: Actually, for our men who've been on Men's Retreat, they know uh, that they're about to not only be encouraged and blessed, but to be challenged. And for all of us today, we're very encouraged to have him here. Rick preaches for the Hills Church of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas. It's the largest Church of Christ in the world. Last month, the month of January, they averaged over 5,000 people for the first time in their history each Sunday. So great things are going on there. Lots of people are coming to the Lord Rick is, uh, in my estimation, uh, the best preacher among us, and uh, not only that, I'm blessed to consider him a friend. So, Rick, if you'd come up, let me pray over you and uh, let you loose to challenge us to say yes. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for bringing Rick here. I thank you for the way he's already blessed our men in such an impactful way, and God, would you speak your words through him today to convict us, to encourage us, to challenge us, Lord to be your people, and to live out your mission on this earth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Well, it's a great honor for me to be with you. Uh, I love this church. I've been here several times and always uh, feel at home when I'm here. And I feel a real connection to this church, not just because of my affection for Buddy, but because... uh, of your missions work because we're connected. Uh, We're about to send three young missionary families to Tanzania and the Lindermans have been very, very helpful in that whole process and we look forward to partnering together to touch that nation. And then uh, we sent Tim and Rebecca Brinley and their kids, including Andrew, to Moscow uh, well over 10 years ago and they planted a church here over for 10 years and Andrew grew up as one of our missionary kids and now he's your missionary in Turkey so we have that connection too so what you're doing today is very very dear uh, to my heart and I really hope I'm a blessing today because uh, this is important this is really really important And I'm not the best preacher among us. I'm not even sure I'm the best preacher in the room. Uh, I grew up in Texas. And so, like all good Texans, I got addicted to the national drink of Texas, which, of course, is a Dr. Pepper. And so it was my routine every morning uh, as a young preacher on the way to the office to stop because I don't drink coffee. So I get my caffeine kick by drinking a Dr. Pepper. So I go to this convenience store close to our church building. And uh, go in to get a can of Dr. Pepper. And I go up to the counter. It's kind of embarrassing. I did not have enough money with me to buy a can of Dr. Pepper. I was a dime short. It was particularly embarrassing because the lady behind the counter went to my church. So the church office is right down the street. I said, this is embarrassing. But I'm going to go right down the street. I'm going to get a dime from the secretary. I'm going to come back and I'm going to buy this Dr. Pepper. And she said, don't worry about it, Rick. I'll just take it out in preaching." I said, my dear sister, I don't think I have any 10-cent sermons. She said, that's all right, I'll just come hear you twice. So, So I really hope you get your nickels worth today. Now, I got good news and bad news, okay? The good news is all the money needed to fund and overfund all the mission work of this church is right here in this room. That's the good news. The bad news is it's still in your wallet. And I want it. I hope you have written your check. And I hope before this sermon's over, you tear it up because it didn't write it big enough. Because what we're doing is that important. And what we're going to find out this morning by your offering is whether or not you really believe what you say are your stated convictions. Because we're always saying we believe one thing and doing something else. For example, um, as I got older, I realized I just couldn't do Dr. Pepper every day, okay? You know these young guys that have what they call a a six-pack? Well, I was getting a two-liter. So, (laughs) So I had to get rid of the diet of Dr. Pepper. So it took about six months, but I taught myself to like Diet Coke. And Buddy can testify, I drink way too much Diet Coke. And so, a couple of years ago, my New Year's resolution was, I'm going to stop drinking so much Diet Coke. Because, well, well, I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a recent study that said there might be, be a connection between diet sodas and short-term memory loss. And then for years there have been those uh, questions about a connection between artificial sweeteners and some forms of cancer. And there's no way all that caffeine and carbonation in my body is good for me. And I don't know if you heard about this, but there was a recent study that said there might be a connection between diet soda and short-term memory loss. And so I <laughs> I said, I'm going to drink less Diet Coke. And guess what? After one month and today, I'm still on that pattern of drinking too much because I don't live consistent. With what I say are my stated convictions. I got a lot of company. Nobody in this room is going to say, I don't believe the gospel should go into all the world. Nobody in this room is going to say, I don't believe every person needs to hear about Jesus. Those are your stated convictions. Are you living consistent with them? It's not a new thing. I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses stated conviction was the deliverance of the people of Israel from Egyptian bondage. In fact, as a young man, he tried in the flesh to make it happen. And he failed miserably and wound up as a refugee in exile in another land. But starting now in verse... of chapter 3 the Lord saw he'd gone over to look at this burning bush so God called to him from within the bush Moses 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 said here I am do not come any closer God said take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground and then he said I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said to him, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Now, the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now, remember his stated conviction? As a young man, it was a stated conviction of Moses. These people need deliverance. So, now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Isn't that interesting? Right mission, but God, you got the wrong person. I hear the call, God, but I think you've dialed the wrong number. That's the one of the things about us. Our tendency, when God calls, is to want to hang up. Okay? We've all had that situation where the phone rings and we check caller ID and we know who it is. And we think we know what they're going to ask. And we don't want to pick up that phone. And so we hang up. We call comes from God. We mask our reluctance under the guise of humility. But don't you confuse the virtue of humility with the bondage of inadequacy. Humility that denies self is noble. Humility that denies that God can do big things through us is not noble. It is unbelief masked as meekness. Here's the thing about God. He doesn't give invitations as much as he gives commissions. And he doesn't like no for an answer. God's got an answer for all your hang-ups. I just want to walk through some of the reasons we've been saying no to God. Why we have been saying no to what we say are our stated convictions. Here's reason number one. I don't hold the credibility Moses saw himself as damaged goods he said chapter 4 verse 1 what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you now that doesn't sound too bad does it but the problem with that is earlier God had said you go to the elders of Israel and they will listen to you so what Moses is basically saying is God you forgot about my past God, I am damaged goods. God, there's a bunch of junk in my past that disqualify me from this task that you want me to do. He thought his reputation was too compromised to ever be of value to the mission of God. Now, God graciously recognized that Moses was intimidated. And so he allowed Moses to transport that burning bush experience. He said, throw that staff down. And he did. And it became a snake. Now, I don't know if you have snakes in Alabama. But every kind of poisonous snake in America lives in Texas. And I am irrationally afraid of snakes. I like to play golf. And so I'm a young teenage boy carrying my clubs. And I'm standing in some tall grass looking for my ball, which is what I do a lot when I play golf. And I felt something under my foot. And I thought, that might be my ball. Look down. I'm standing on a coiled moccasin. I'm right next to about a six foot wide creek. Now you would not think that a teenage boy with a golf bag on his back. Standing flat footed. Could jump over a six foot creek. But you would be wrong. <laughs> Properly motivated he can. God says. Pick that snake up by the tail. Which is the last thing you do to a poisonous snake. But he did. And it turns into a staff. He says, put your hand in your cloak. And he does, and he comes out, and it's leprous. There's no cure for leprosy. Leprosy is a seal of death. God says, put it back in. He does. It becomes like restored flesh. What's God saying? God's saying, Moses, everything that you think is deadly is under my control. By the way, Pharaoh wore a headdress with a snake on it. What's God saying? God's saying, stop getting hung up about your past. Start focusing on me. I got a track record too, and it's pretty good. My past can trump your past. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you've been. I I know that a lot of you right now are feeling pretty insignificant. And you got a God who's saying, join hands with me. We got big things to do. Stop getting so hung up about your reputation. Start focusing on mine. Stop worrying about your credibility. Start thinking about mine. That's one of our hang-ups. God's got an answer. Pick up the phone. Hang-up number two. I don't have the ability. He couldn't use his ears of his audience as an excuse, so he tried to use his mouth. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. You know, we talk to God as if he dialed the wrong number. You really think God's doing cold calls? Do you think God doesn't know who you are and what your gifts are, what your inadequacies and your incompetencies are before he calls? God knows the closest you're ever going to get to perfection is when you fill out a job application. Think about that for a second. We are all inadequate. Buddy said some nice things about me earlier, but I'm telling you, I, I do not know how God uses me. I mess up so much. I could tell you, I, I, this is my most recent mess up, okay? We just have a big capital campaign for our mission thing. We called it Expect, or uh, no, it was called Greater Things. Greater Things. We have a big campaign. We have a big day like you. We raise all this money. We passed our gold by several hundred thousand dollars. So I write a letter to all these awesome people who gave all these awesome gifts for our mission work. And I signed it, expect greater things. Only, I misspelled things. And so all these ladies got this letter, expect greater thongs. <laughs> I have no clue how God uses me. I'm just a bush. See, but any old bush will do if God is in the bush. Do you believe that? He's not asking for your ability. Okay, He's asking for your availability. The Lord said to Moses, verse eleven and twelve: Who gave man his mouth? Who made him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I'll help you speak and will teach you what to say. See, God is never going to commission you, then abandon you, ever. He told Abraham, you leave your land and go to the place I will show you. He said to the disciples, you go into all the world and I will be with you. I claim this all the time. I'm not adequate, God is. I can't tell you how many hundreds of times I've stood on the porch of a family who just lost a loved one or outside the hospital door of a member who just got bad news. And I just pray, Lord, I don't know what to say. I'm not equal to this moment. But Jesus said, if I will walk in faith as an ambassador of his gospel, that the Holy Spirit would give me words. And so, Lord, I'm walking through this door, and you've got to come through. Because I'm not adequate. But you are. And God does. You may not feel like you have much ability you may not feel like you're able to give very much. You know, we, we have a God that knows how to multiply. You know that? It's not the size of your offering. It's the size of the God you're offering it to. You are, in God's power, able to make eternal differences any old bush will do if God is in the bush some bushes just don't want to be set on fire so our third hang-up I don't want the responsibility Moses begin to realize God's gonna not put up with all this God doesn't give options God give orders so look at verse 13 Moses just said oh Lord Please send someone else to do it. It is amazing to me how many Christians are willing to serve God in an advisory capacity. And just as amazing is the speed at which God can see right through false humility. So it says in verse 14, The Lord's anger burned against Moses. Why was God angry? He's angry because this is no longer about Moses' confidence in himself. This is about Moses' confidence in God. Moses is casting a vote of no confidence in God. God, you said go deliver the people. Well, I don't think it can happen. So either you're a liar or you're a bumbler. Because I don't think it can happen. This is not anymore about Moses. This is about who God is. When we say our stated conviction is to see the name of Jesus go into all the world, it's not anymore about how big our, we are, how big our church tra- It's about how big is God. Is God able to fulfill that which he commissioned us to do? Have you ever considered that your inadequacy is the reason God called you in the first place? Look with me quickly at 1 Corinthians. Verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world to despise things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. God didn't say there aren't any adequate people. He said there are not many. God wants to take some ordinary people in Montgomery, Alabama. He wants to use a church that most of the world's never even heard of. And He chooses people like you... So that when awesome things happen, the only boasting can be in God. Who He is and what He's about and what He's done. Paul says, chapter 2. So it's with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom. I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message, my preaching were not with wise, persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. God's calling you. Because His power in you is calling attention to Him. His brilliance is seen even more when it's poured into clay vessels. Paul says, 2 Corinthians, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this also passing power is from God and it's not from us. Believe in the power of God. This church can make eternal differences. This church can be used by God to rattle the cosmos when you hang up on God you're hanging up on his power and that's not being humble that's being doubtful of the very God you claim to believe in I read about a professor at a seminary and the young students there they were all given preaching assignments and uh, this one young man who thought he was quite capable got assigned to this tiny little church and he he just kind of said out loud, he just felt like his gifts belonged to a bigger, more prestigious place. And a fellow student said, You know, the world's a better place because Michelangelo never said, I don't do ceilings. The world's a better place because Dr. King never said I don't do jails. It's a better place because Mother Teresa never said, I don't do street people. It's a better place because John Wesley says, I don't do preaching in fields. It's a better place because Noah said, I don't do animals. Because Ruth never said, I don't do mother's-in-law. Because Paul never said, I don't do correspondence. And Peter never said, I don't do Gentiles. And because Jesus never said, I don't do crosses. And heaven is waiting for God's church to stop saying, I don't do. For too long, the major word of the church has been no. Instead of yes. God has no choice but to use clay pots. But a pot is like a staff or a bush, it can do amazing things if God holds it. See, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And the real key is trusting that if I make myself available to God, He'll make His power available to me. My life was changed in August of 2002. I've always believed in the Lord. I've always believed in the mission of God. But in 2002, I'm in Zambia preaching out in the bush. They have a ministry in Zambia I've never seen before. I mean, in my church, we have a greeter ministry and we have the nursery ministry. In Zambia, they have something called the crocodile ministry what that is is after you've preached people want to get baptized you go down to the Zambezi River and a couple of brothers pick up sticks and beat the water to make the crocodile swim off so you can go baptize people I tell you right now my whole theology of immersion got a gut check but I'm preaching one day I'm under these three big mango trees and there's about 400 people over half of my adult audience has AIDS orphans everywhere While I'm preaching, I see one woman nursing two babies at one time because one of them doesn't have a mother anymore. Most of my audience is starving because there is a famine and there's no crops. And when these people are praying, give us this day our daily bread, it's not metaphorical. They're praying for some bread today. And I'm preaching, and I don't know how to explain it, but it just, it overwhelms me. And the Lord spoke to me, and it just dawned on me. Most of the things we're fussing and fighting about in our churches and the states are luxuries only rich Christians can worry about. And in that moment, I didn't care whether or not you worship with a piano. I could care less what your view is on when Jesus is going to come back and how that's going to look. I don't care whether you want to call me pastor or preacher. I just want you to come and stand next to me and help these people hear about Jesus. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life living consistent with what I say are my stated convictions that all the world get a chance to hear Jesus. I'm going to say yes to that. And I'm going to say no to everything else that is distracting me from that mission. For too long, we thought no was the heart of our faith. We defined following Christ by we don't do that, and we don't do that, and we don't do that. And all the time, Jesus was saying, I want you to start saying yes to something. Say yes to witness. Say yes to faith. Say yes to prayer. Say yes to virtue. And every day, I believe, there are incredible opportunities to display the brilliance of God for a people with eyes open, willing to pick up the phone and say, yes, Lord, yes. And I'll tell you something else. Don't tell me how much you believe in the state of conviction that Jesus needs to go all the world until you show me what you're doing with your giving. Jesus did not say where your heart is, that's where your money goes. Jesus said where your money goes, that's where your heart is. I want you to imagine it's right toward the end of the Civil War. And you have a bunch of Confederate money. And you know. You know how this thing's going to end. You know that in a matter of weeks, this money is going to be worthless. What kind of fool would you be if you didn't take that money and exchange it for the currency of the kingdom that will prevail? And over and over, Jesus is saying, don't live like fools. Do you believe that my kingdom will prevail? Is that your stated conviction? Then invest in it. He said, use your money to make friends in eternal places. Listen, what you're going to do today is going to bring people to Christ that you'll never meet. But you'll spend glory with. And friend, when you get to heaven, you want people to applaud. And not out of shock. But because they're saying, thank you. Because you lived consistent with what you said were your stated convictions. Take that check. Tear it up. And write one consistent with what you say is the truth that sustains the world. This matters. And God is waiting for you to pick up the phone say yes here's what we're going to do we're going to sing and we're going to worship and we're going to respond everybody's going to respond today it could be that you want to respond by accepting Christ it could be that you want to respond by working through something in your life and confessing an and old buddy will be down here and, but, but most of us we're going to respond by walking forward and we're going to put a generous God-honoring offering in this globe that is consistent with what we say we believe we're going to say yes to the kingdom of God everyone stand up please this is your moment please come